Amen. Woo, that was good. Mercy. Well, so good to see you, and happy Easter. And uh, I like Easter when it, when it falls later in the spring. It just feels a little more Eastery. I don't know, something about it when it's not in March, and we don't have like two feet of snow on the ground, although it is a little chilly out there this morning. It's probably sunny and 25 on Graham and Ann, I'm just saying. But anyhow... Um, the date of Easter changes every year. It's based on when the Easter bunny sees a shadow. <laughs> Lean over to your kids and say, don't listen to the fool on the stage. Well, I mean, after this, you listen, but not that first part. Um, speaking of bunnies, favorite Easter candy. Are you ready? How about Peeps. Wow. And you know, last night, there was one person in the room who was like, peeps, give me all the peeps. There was like one person in each service, but there was somebody else back here that likes peeps. You can have them all. We will give you all the peeps. They're all yours. Take them. Um, the cream eggs. Yeah, those things are good, eh? Michaela, no cream eggs. No, not doing it. Um, let's see, the, the little hard mini, hard-shelled mini-eggs, those things, my goodness, there's no end to, like, just, those things are good. Is anybody making homemade pie for Easter? Okay, what is your address? It's Nora Lynn, she lives right over here. <laughs> We're coming. Oh, and good morning to everyone watching online. Thank you for joining us. Good to see you. Uh, so in the next few minutes, I'm going to do my best to help everyone in this room believe in the resurrection of Jesus. It is Easter Sunday morning. It's what we're going to talk about. Um, and we all have questions and doubts. Like if you're here and you've got questions and doubts, you're in good company because I'm preaching the message and I have questions and doubts. Right? Like I've been an ordained minister in the Wesleyan Church for... This is my 30th year of, uh, of pastoral ministry. And I have, <laughs> I wasn't fishing for that, but I'll take it. Um, and, and I have questions and doubts. And so that's very normal. That, does, that, doesn't, that just means that you're human. We all have questions and, and doubts. Um, but you don't need to have all of your questions or all of your doubts answered before you believe in something. If that was true, you wouldn't fly and you wouldn't eat donairs. Because you don't understand donairs. You, you just eat them on faith, right? In faith believing this is going to be good, but not knowing, you know, where did that come from, um, right? So, so faith is not the absence of questions because you'll always have, we'll always have questions. Faith is not the absence of questions. Faith is believing that what we do know, the things that we do know to be true, we believe that those things point towards a loving God who raised Jesus from the dead. That's, that's faith. And as long as you live and, and, and believe in Jesus, you'll never have all of your questions answered this side of, as long as you're walking this big ball of dirt, you're always going to have questions. That's normal. Now, space of time between when something happened and now doesn't make it less true. Things that were true before aren't becoming less true over time. Like when you were in high school studying history, you weren't, you weren't warned. Like they didn't say, okay, it's true now, but it might not be true later. Like it was true. It was, this is when this happened and these are the people and it was true then and it's still true, true now. You don't believe in your great grandparents' 
less just because it's further away in time and you can't see them. Uh, you know, they're real people. And so literally billions of people around the planet, like right now, uh, billions of people around the planet believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And it's 2,000 years, give or take, since that happened. But space of time does not make it less true. It's not something that, well, okay, those people used to believe because whatever, but, but now, you know, we know that it's not true. It was true then. It's true. It's still true, okay? So, if anything, we're learning more about the resurrection of Jesus all the time. And biblical events, we're learning more about it all the time. So, why do we believe? Why does anyone believe in Jesus? That's, thank, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. We believe... Because people like Matthew, Matthew has the first letter in the New Testament. We believe because people like Matthew, who was an eyewitness to these events. Matthew said, I, I saw these things. He believed it. Um, Mark is another, another guy. Mark uh, was able to live with other eyewitnesses like Peter. When you read the book of Mark, you're, you're most likely reading Peter's eyewitness account. Peter's telling it to Mark, and Mark is the scribe. And Mark heard these stories and believed it. Luke was a physician, and Luke in his letter says that he thoroughly investigated. Like, I didn't just, you know, just, just believe without knowing. I, I, Luke is the detailed guy. Luke's the guy who did the research. You know, like, I really, before I'm writing this letter, I want to know if this is true or not. Um, John is another eyewitness to it, and he believed it. Peter was a key eyewitness who wrote about his experiences with Jesus, and probably... I think the doozy of them all is a guy named James. James doesn't emerge until after the resurrection. And James is the brother of Jesus. And he believed that his brother was God. Now, what would it take for your siblings to believe that you are God? <laughs> what would you have to do to convince your siblings, you know, you, that, that you're God? Well, they would need to see you die and, and poke you like he did. He really did. Like, and no, okay, no, he's he, he dead, dead. They would need to see you die, see you buried, and then bump into you later. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> you're doing much better. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what they would need to see in order to believe that, that you were God. And so James doesn't emerge until after the, it's after the resurrection when James, the brother of Jesus, writes his letter and says, you know what? My brother was God, and I'm willing to die for that because I saw him after his resurrection. And so do, you know, kill me if you want, whatever. But anyhow, he's, he's, he's God. Um, that's pretty cool. Another guy, the apostle Paul, he hated Christians. Uh, for sport, Paul chased down uh, Christians and had them incarcerated or beaten or, or martyred for their faith. That was his hobby. And uh, just a few years after the resurrection of Jesus, Paul out of nowhere has this, this radical encounter with, with the risen Christ and, and, and goes from hater of Christians to becoming one of those, becoming one himself. Uh, there might be people in this room or you might know someone who you think, oh, that's the last person who will ever become a Christian. And I always think they're going to make a wonderful follower of Jesus, right? Because that's Paul's story. Like no one ever would have thought that Paul would become one of those, one of those little Christ the Romans called them. 
And, uh, but because he has this experience, and that might be your story this morning. Like, it could be Easter Sunday morning, 2022, where you have your, your experience with Jesus. And, and, uh, and like Paul, you become, you become one of those Christ followers. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, hold the horse till I get on. That's how I learned it when I was a kid. Peter, Paul, and Mary, that sounds like the name of a group, doesn't it, from the 70s. They all had their eyewitness experience with Jesus, and they wrote their experiences down, and God inspired them and helped them put uh, those, those experiences into written form. And those letters that they wrote began to circulate. There were, there were lots of little house churches and communities, and people said, oh, well, we, we need to make a copy of that letter and take it over to that group, and we need to make a copy and take it over to this group. And the letters started to circulate, and then eventually more people started to gather around those letters and learning more and more about what it means to, to know Jesus, who he is, and what it means to, to follow him. And eventually Christianity became legal, and eventually they took those letters and, and put them into a manuscript that we call the Bible. And the letters that, that made it into here are the ones that, that people said, yeah, eyewitnesses said, yeah, that's exactly how it happened, right? There were, there were lots of other letters, and people were like, no, that's crazy, that didn't happen. But the ones that we have are the ones that line up with with who Jesus is and, and what he said and, and, what he, and what he did. So space of time from when it happened doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And Christianity never, ever, ever would have emerged out of the first, second, or third century when it was, when it was brutal to be, to, to be a follower of Jesus. I mean, they were just martyring people. It never would have emerged if it, if it, was, if it wasn't true. Like you just simply wouldn't, be crucified upside down or burned at the stake or martyred if, if, if it wasn't true, right? So let's read some of their firsthand accounts. We're going to begin in Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, verse 1. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. <laughs> no, he's not. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Now we're going to jump over, that was Saturday night, now we're going to jump over to John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. This is John writing, he's writing third person, but this is John writing this. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. 
Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And he stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus, that said Jesus must rise from the dead. If you were writing for believability, acceptance, and longevity in the first century, this is not what you would have written. One of the indicators of, of reliability that we have about this text is the, way that the, is the way that the disciples portray themselves. Like if you were writing for believability, longevity, and acceptance, you probably would have written yourself in as, I believed it all the time. I never doubted once. You know, we knew for sure that he wouldn't be there. Like, you know, of course, of course, he told us so many times that he wouldn't be there. You know, we knew for sure. But the disciples don't do that. One, one, of, the, the, the ways that, uh, one of the ways that we, an indicator of reliability for this text is how they write about themselves. They show us how faithless and shallow and, and uh, afraid they were. Really, they show us how weak they were. They want you to know that. They want you to know that we didn't believe it ourselves. We were full of doubts and questions, and, and we, just, we just didn't understand what Jesus had been, had been saying. If they, if they believed it, they would have been sitting there on that Sunday morning counting down. They would have had lawn chairs. They would have had, you know, some good coffee, dark roast, black, you know. They would have been sitting there counting down just 10, 9, 8. But they didn't. They were afraid. Um, they didn't believe it themselves. And so Mary is the first one to get there. The disciples, the, the men are, are, are chickens and they're hiding out. And it's the women. Isn't it? It's the women who say, okay, we'll go. You know, you, you guys, you, okay, you guys go hide, you know, little fraidy boys, but we'll go. We're not afraid. And uh, so it's the women who show up. And um, as Andy Stanley says, nobody expected nobody. Nobody. Even Mary thought, how are we, who's going to roll the stone for us? She didn't expect it to be rolled. And she was bringing spices to service a dead body, you know, like to, to, to keep things, the, the decay from smelling. Like she did not expect no body. This is a picture of the garden tomb. Um, I've been there a few times. I'd like to take you anytime you want to go. We can go. This is, uh, this is just outside the, the Damascus Gate in the old city of Jerusalem. There is a rock formation here that looks like uh, the shape of a skull. Many people believe the rock formation is what Scripture calls Golgotha. It's right outside this, this area. You can see one from, from the other. And we know that Joseph of Arimathea buried Jesus in a garden tomb. Now, when they excavated that site right there in 1867... They found a Christian cross engraved in the stone above this, above this tomb. Now, I've been inside this tomb several times. You can walk right in and, and do what the disciples did. You can walk in and peek around. Is he here? You know, you can go in and look around. Is he there? And see possibly where 
the body of Jesus was laid. We don't know for certain, but we know know it was a tomb like this tomb, okay? The entire garden here at the garden tomb is, it's a beautiful, peaceful park today. It's, It's a gorgeous spot. At the bottom of the tomb entrance, you see a wide stone gutter. Do you see that? You see the gutter where the stone would have been, a very large, heavy stone would have been rolled. John tells us in his letter, in chapter 20, verse 1, that when Mary got there, the stone was already rolled. God has an open-door policy. God has an open-door policy. The Easter, Easter Sunday morning, is an invitation for you to do what the disciples did, to stick your nose in to this idea of, is he, who is Jesus? Is he alive? For you to, to peek in. That's what you're doing here this morning. You're, 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 you're looking into Jesus. Is he, who is he? Is this true? Is it, is it real? Did it really happen? So very similar to what the disciples did that first Sunday morning when they ran in and looked. That's what you're doing right now. You're, you're, you're contemplating. You're thinking, is this, really, is this really true? And Easter is an invitation. Come and see what God has done. For your, see for yourself that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Now, Mary's faith is not a, it's, it's not a whole lot better than the guy's. She's, you know, she's not hiding like the boys are. Um, she's not afraid, afraid of being associated with the crucified Jesus. The, the guys were thinking, you know, like they're going to kill us next, so let's just go hide. Mary wasn't afraid of that. But, but she didn't expect an empty tomb, and she didn't know what to think at first. And these people, what we saw in the text, is they're going to go from a lack of faith to total faith as Jesus is revealed to them. They did not believe. Now, maybe that's you when you came in here this morning. You did not believe. Maybe you're just here to make someone else happy. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to come here. But you're here. You'd rather be home chewing on tinfoil or bathing a cat or something like that. But you're here. And maybe like them, maybe like them, you know, that whatever stone is in front of you would be rolled away. And you'll go from a lack of faith to a total faith. Like, I didn't believe, but I do now. I didn't, I didn't see it before, but I do now, as Jesus is revealed. So Mary runs to find Peter and John, and she doesn't immediately connect the missing body of Jesus with what Jesus said about himself. And so she says, somebody took Jesus, and we don't know where they put him. It's just like, you know, I just love the way that she's like, I'm going to fix this. <laughs> like, I'm going to find him, and I'm gonna, he's supposed to be there, and I'm going to put him back. If the authorities had taken the body, it would have been easy for them to produce a body, right? Like as Christianity started to, to swell, and people started to rally around, he's alive, if somebody had the dead body of Jesus, they could have produced it and said, everybody go home. Here he is. He's still dead. Poke him. But there was no body because Jesus, that would, have, that would have wiped out Christianity. It would have been over right then if somebody had been able to produce the dead body of Jesus. Um, 
But they couldn't do that because they didn't have a body. Boys being boys, as John was, is writing his letter, and I, I love this part. John, writing his letter under the influence of the Holy Spirit, knowing this is probably going to be scripture, it's probably going to be read for eternity. Uh, boys being boys, John thinks it's important that we know that there was a race to the empty tomb, and he beat, he easily beat that slaw of Peter. He puts that, he puts that in, like it was a fair race, and I, John, the one who Jesus loved, got there first. And it was, it was sometime later, when Peter finally, eventually showed up. Like John, I think it's comical that he wants you to know, like, you know, this is a very, very important detail. So John, John gets there first, faster runner. And he looks in and he sees the grave clothes. And God obviously sent a female angel because John says that the burial linens were all folded. <laughs> a man would have tossed them in the corner. Yeah right? Um, Peter arrives. Peter finally gets there, the slowpoke, and he looks in, he goes right inside. John just peeks his head in. Peter's like, I'm going in. And he just, that's Peter, right? He's blustery and he's, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going right in. And verse eight says, the disciple who got there first also went in. John's talking about himself in third person. He said, then I went in. And I saw and believed. So John and Peter, when they saw the empty tomb, that's when they, they believed. He's alive. He's the son of God. He's risen. Wow. That's when they believed. Now, this is firsthand. This is John's own story. And he's telling us that after all they went through with Jesus, three years of traveling with him, all the miracles that they had seen, think of the things, the 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 unbelievable miracles that these guys had seen firsthand, all the teachings of Jesus, all of that, it wasn't until they looked in to the empty tomb that, they, that, that it clicked. Like you can go to Sunday school as a kid for years. Maybe some of you did that. Or maybe you, you know, maybe you, I don't know, you've got some faith background. I don't know what your story is. It's all, everybody's different in this room. But it wasn't until they looked into the empty tomb that it clicked and the lights went on and they said, he, it's him. It's all, it's all true. This is why Easter is so important. You need to look into the empty tomb. Like whatever you do before you leave this world, you owe it to yourself to look into this. Like, is this true? Don't just blow this off. You don't want to be wrong about this one. Like, you know, I've been wrong about some, some crazy things in my life. But you don't want, this is the one you don't want to be wrong about. Is there a God? Is, did he send his son Jesus? Is this, is this really, really true? And uh, you need to look into the empty tomb. And then believe. And then, and then scripture will start to make sense. This is what happened to these guys. They didn't believe. They looked in. And then it started to make sense. Have you ever picked up a Bible and started to read and thought, oh, I just don't get it. Like, I just, I just, don't, I just don't get it. It's after you believe when, when God's spirit starts to like, it becomes like a pop-up Bible. And you're like, oh, I didn't see it before, but I see it now. Wow, that's neat. I didn't know that was in the Bible. You know, like it's just, it's, it's how God works. 
Um, if you've ever struggled to understand scripture, you're not alone. These guys lived with him and they didn't understand. They didn't get it until they saw the empty tomb. Okay, verse 11. John 20, verse 11. I'm going to keep reading. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped in and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. <laughs> Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? Isn't that a great question? She thought he was the gardener. <laughs> Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him. I'll go get him. I just love Mary's like, I'm going to fix this. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm go, I'll go get him myself and bring him back. You tell me where he is. Mary, Jesus said, he speaks her name. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabbi, wow. Peter and John believed before they saw the risen body of Christ. All, all they had to do was look in. And they said, we believe. Now, Mary needed to have her own experience. She needed something different. We're all different. Like, we all, we all come to this faith and believing in Jesus and differently. Folded grave cloths were, clothes were enough for John and Peter, but Mary, Mary gets two angels and Jesus himself. She has a totally different experience. And Mary's response of, of weeping is the right response if God is dead. Like, if God is dead and not alive... If they've taken Jesus and hid the body, then, then, then we may as well weep. Like, there's, 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 there's no hope, right? That's the right response. But if he's alive, if he is alive, then the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And Jesus is there. He's standing right beside her, but she doesn't recognize him at first. Now, I want to tell you this morning, and not just because I'm the pastor of this place, but God is here. And God is standing right beside people at this moment. And you might not recognize him. It could have been during the worship. Worship time was, was the, the music was incredible. And maybe you felt something. Maybe you thought, wow, what is that? that I, I don't know what that is. And you might, you might want to shrug it off and blow it off and say, oh, well, you know, okay, well, you know, get me out of here. It's the presence of God. And Mary had the presence of God standing right beside her, but she did not recognize him at first. Man, I pray before you leave here this morning, you'll, you'll see him. Um, and she thinks he's the gardener. Um, and, and Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? Now, that is, that's, that's probably the biggest question you'll ever be asked in life. Because we're all born searching. Like, we're, it's just the way we're born. You're, you're born searching. Why, why am I here What's the point of this? What's the purpose of this? Why do I exist? Why does, why does any of this exist? And, and we all ask those questions because we feel like there's, there's something missing. Who are you looking for? What are you looking for? And we're trying to fill a void that, that only God can fill. And we try to fill it with, with people or relationships. 
and to think, well, okay, this person is going to complete me. And they don't because they're broken and they're human and they're messed up. And so, well, maybe I need to try another person. Maybe, maybe I got the wrong person. I'll try another one. And they don't, they, they, they're not perfect either and they don't complete it. Maybe it's my job. If I just got a, a better job or a different job or climbed the ladder or a different house. And we're just trying to fill these, these vo- this void in our lives with all these different things. And, and nothing does it. And Jesus wants Mary to simply say, I'm looking for Jesus. Come to that place in your life where you say, I'm looking for Jesus. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There, that's it. What does it mean to to become one of these Uh, a follower of Jesus. You know, what does it mean to cross that line of of faith? And Paul said, openly declare that Jesus is Lord. I'm looking for Jesus. And believe in your heart. It's true. It's, It's not kind of true or sort of true or true on Christmas and true on Easter. Like, it's really true. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Verse 16, Jesus is Mary. He speaks her name. And she instantly goes from anguish and despair to astonishment and delight. He is, he's alive. He's right there. And this morning, you can go from from no faith to knowing faith when Jesus speaks your name. You know, when you see him, when when you just realize, okay, it's true. It's all true. Okay, we're going to read a little bit more. Verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid, the little chickens. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus walks through their locked door, and the first thing he brings is peace. And I love it because many people, some of you probably came here this morning with your doors locked up tight. I'm going to go, but I'm not happy, and I don't want to go. And somebody, what is for lunch? Get me out of here. And, you know, and maybe you've had your doors locked towards Jesus for for years and years and years and years, and anytime you hear this Jesus stuff, you just, you just keep locking doors and stacking bricks and la, 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 la. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. But Jesus walked through your locked doors this morning, and he's standing right beside you, and you're like, oh, man, what do I do now? Because he walked through my locked doors, and I was afraid, and I thought he was dead, and he's not dead. He's here, and he's standing right beside me, and now I've got to decide, what do I do with this risen Jesus? What do I do with this resurrected Jesus? When, the, when he does show up, the first thing he'll bring to your life is peace. He walked through, he stepped into the room, and he said to them, peace. You know, I mean, I... If I was God, I probably would have said, you little chickens, what are you doing behind locked doors? I died for you. Get out, get you, get out there right now. You know, that would have been me, right? But Jesus goes in and, uh, and speaks a word of peace to them. I love it. 
He showed them his scars. Men love looking at scars. Oh, that's a big one. Oh, man, look at that scar. Wow, that must have hurt, you know, guys. And John says that they were filled with joy. God's presence and God's peace brings joy. I've never understood cranky Christians. Like, if you've got a bad Christian in your life, and that's the reason why you don't want to follow Jesus, because you don't want to be like them. Yeah, I just said that in church. Right? And online. Um, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. What did he bring to the disciples? He brought peace and joy. Right? Um, so watch the progression here, that text that we just read. It was God's presence. When you recognize that Jesus is in the room, that's right now. And then there was evidence. When you accept the evidence that, that he is the risen son of God. And then there's peace. It's the first thing that God does in our lives, peace. And then there was joy. And then there was the Holy Spirit. He'll fill you with his spirit. And then there was forgiveness. He'll forgive you. And he will send you out to forgive others because forgiven people forgive people. Like if you meet Jesus this morning and you reach out to someone later today or later this week and say, so um, Easter Sunday morning, um, I had this encounter with Jesus and he forgave me and, and I'm, I just want you to know that I forgive you. Like how powerful, that's the most powerful thing in the world. How powerful is, is that? Forgiven people forgive people. A little later on in the text, John tells us about Thomas. Thomas wasn't at the disciples, um, the scaredy cat meeting behind locked doors. He wasn't there. And the disciples go and they tell Thomas that we've met Jesus. And Thomas says, I don't believe it. I'm not believing it for myself until I, until I see him for myself and I touch his, his scars. And... Um, Eight days later, Jesus reappears, and he, again, he speaks peace, and he invites Thomas to touch his wounds. Go ahead and put your, here, Thomas, touch that right there. Put your hand in my side where they, where they pierced me with a, with a sword. And Jesus says to Thomas as he touches him, don't be faithless any longer, believe. And in that moment, Thomas crosses over to, from not believing to believing in who Jesus is. And Thomas cries out, my Lord and my God. Now, if you're going to follow somebody as your Lord and your God, follow the, follow the guy who predicted his own death and rose from the dead three days later. He's the only one who is worthy of that place in your life to be your Lord, and your God. Um, at the end of that encounter with, with Thomas, Jesus says to him, to Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those, that would be us, who believe without seeing me. So we don't have a, a, a resurrected Jesus for you to poke this morning. It doesn't mean that he's not alive. Space of time between when something happened and when you learn about it doesn't make it less true, okay? 
Blessed are those who, sitting at an Easter Sunday morning at Cross Point, the church on the hill, behind the mill, in the ville, some 2,000 years later, blessed are those who, who believe in me. Now, just one thing about Thomas, and then we're going to close the service. Um, Thomas believed in Jesus earlier, and then he didn't believe, and then he believed again. There was a time when Thomas believed, but then there was a time when Thomas just said, no, I think he's dead. I think, he's, I think he's dead, and he lost hope. But then he saw Jesus again. He's like, oh, man, okay, I'm in. I'm all in. And that might be your story this morning. Maybe a time when you did believe, and life happened. And this stuff happened. You drifted away. You didn't know what you believed. And now this morning you're here, and, like, Jesus is standing right beside you, and you're like, okay, I, I believe I believe again. I believe again. There might be others here this morning who you've never believed. There's, there's, no, there's no time in your life when you know that that's when I made my decision of belief that Jesus is the, the risen Son of God. So we're going to give you that opportunity this morning. That sounds like a great idea. It's Easter Sunday morning. And um, so I'm, in a moment here, this is how, we're, how it's going to go. I'm going to pray. The band is going to lead us in a song called Come As You Are. You know, don't, don't come, you know, years down the road when you're old. You're right, you know, well, I'll come to Jesus before I die. Or don't come after you get your life together. Let's, no, we just come as we are. We just come as you are. Um, after the song, I'm going to come back up on the stage. And I'll give two invitations. And the first one will be for people who, who would say, yeah, I used to believe, I did believe. But then there was this time when I didn't believe, but I believe, I believe again. And, and then the second invitation uh, will be for people who would say, no, I, I don't know that I ever believed, but I do now, but I do now. And it'll simply be um, a, a rate with, with heads bowed, I'm going to ask people to raise their hand. That's going to be the invitation. Uh, not so that we can, uh, we don't want to pest you, we don't want to, you know, we're not going to, drive you nuts. We're not going to put you through the Bible Thumper 5000. Uh, we just want to encourage, we just want to pray for you. We just want to know that decisions were made uh, for Jesus today. So Lord, we love you. You are here. Um, I thank you, God, for every person in this room and those who are watching online. And uh, Lord, I know that you're, you're standing right beside many people right now um, who up until this moment Maybe they've never seen you clearly, but they do now. Like you're standing right there and they're like, oh, you're alive. It's real. And so God, be with us in the next few moments of the service. Uh, may the, the locked doors open. Uh, may all the walls and barriers and things we've put up, may that all fall. And uh, may we just uh, be obedient um, as we trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.